republic based on the idea of democracy. This was a, a national experience the world had never seen. And as de Tocqueville was traveling across America, he was beginning to realize that our nation was beginning to realize who it was. You know, things had been in the balance for America already uh, by 1831. They had been through two major wars, the Revolutionary War and also the War of 1812. There had been that question of whether the people of this country could make their own decisions about who would lead them and who would guide the way. And de Tocqueville came because it looked as though America was becoming this new kind of a place. This new kind of a place like the world had never seen. And so he traveled through our cities and across the wilderness and he saw the small towns and met the people and realized this is a nation destined for greatness. But he was trying to figure out what is it that makes this country such a special place. Later in writing about his journey, this is what de Tocqueville recorded. He said, I sought everywhere in vain for the secret of their success until I entered the church. It was there as I listened to the soul-equalizing and soul-elevating principles of the gospel of Christ as they fell from Sabbath to Sabbath upon the masses of the people that I learned why America was great and free. America will be great if America is good. If not, her greatness will vanish away like a morning cloud. All those years ago, de Tocqueville realized the uniqueness of this nation, not based upon a search for wealth or a search for fame or a search for power. The origins of America are deeply rooted in faith. As long as we have been a nation, we have been a faith-filled nation. It was founded by believers who traveled to an unknown and untamed land to establish a place where they could practice their faith without fear of persecution. Commitment to the Lord is part of our national DNA. It has never been more important for followers of Jesus Christ to boldly identify their faith as American believers as it is today. And it has never been more important that we remind our children that we live in a nation whose bedrock is faith in Christ Jesus. On this, the 3rd of July, as we prepare to celebrate our Independence Day, we recognize that the Lord has given us an incredible challenge. It's a challenge that he gave to his people long ago in the book of Psalms. But it's a challenge that is equally true today. Psalm 145.4 declares, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. One generation shall declare your works to another. It's our job to pass on the faith that has been given to us. We are here in this place today because we recognize that we have a legacy of faith that's been passed on to us. It's been there since the very beginning of this country. And from time to time, we hear folks who begin to say, faith is not central to America. America's built on some other standard, some other principle, some other vision. But the truth is not, but that is not the truth. The truth is, we are a people of faith. We have always been a people of faith. And it is our job to ensure that we will forever be a people of faith. So as we celebrate Independence Day today, I want to 
invite you to join me. We're going to take a tour this morning. A special kind of a tour. I want you to join me in Washington, D.C. in some of its most important landmarks. We're going to visit some of the most recognizable symbols of America. And we're going to discover the roots of trust in Christ that each of them symbolize. This is not going to be a simple history lesson. I want you to join me on a faith journey this morning. Discovering the spiritual roots that are a part of who we are. Remembering the rich heritage that we have been given. And that we are challenged to pass on for generations yet to be born. So will you join me? We're going to tour the uh, the. the uh, Washington, D.C., the capital of the United States of America. And we're going to discover that deep within each of these very important places are the spiritual roots to be found that sometimes it seems as though we've forgotten so that we can remember anew and remind one another that Christian faith is a part of everything we are and everything we believe. Our journey begins at one of the most recognizable locations in all of the world. Sparkling white stone, gorgeous rose garden, most of all the towering round dome are all there to meet us as we see that we've arrived at the Capitol building. As you walk through the entrance, your eyes are instinctively drawn to beautiful murals which decorate the interior of the rotunda of the Capitol. One picture in particular may draw your attention. It's a portrait of the pilgrims as they are embarking from Europe to establish homes in the new world. Can you imagine the feelings that are going through their minds as they're facing the unknown, as they recognize if we are going to become everything that we are intended to become, if we're going to worship God the way that we want to worship God, then we're going to have to go and find this new world. They were people filled with hope and fear, anticipation and dread. They recognized that what they're attempting to do seems almost impossible. It's a journey they would only be willing to make because they believed that the Lord was with them. And if you look in the rotunda and you discover that mural, you'll see on the sail of the ship as they are preparing to embark, These words inscribed, in God we trust, God is with us. Their love for the Lord is such that they abandoned everything they had known and in those tiny ships made their way across the ocean to an unknown land. Men and women of mighty faith. And for those who enter the capital and as those who find themselves within the rotunda, you discover this is a major part of what you discover. This is a place where faith is recognized as the foundation of those who came to America. But we're not done with the Capitol. We leave the rotunda and make our way to the houses of Congress. You recognize that a single phrase is found in both chambers. In the Senate, it's found on the wall opposite the seat of the vice president. In a role as president of the Senate. In the House of Representatives, it's inscribed behind the Speaker of the House. That phrase, you see it on your money all the time. In God we trust. In both of our houses of 
Congress recognized that from the beginning there's been a declaration in God we trust every time that they, they meet they see those words they recognize this is who we have been and every time these two bodies meet not only do they see the phrase in God we trust but both houses of Congress begin their deliberations each day with prayer Rear Admiral Reverend Barry Black serves as chaplain of the Senate. You know, I'd never heard of Barry Black until President Bush's funeral just a few years ago. And he came and he spoke as part of that service, shared a prayer as a part of that. And this man so impressed me. He so impressed me as the chaplain of the Senate, both with the eloquence of his words, but more than that, with his unashamed commitment to Jesus Christ. Barry Black is not one of those folks who prays a prayer making sure that nobody is offended and that everybody feels as though their feelings are not going to be hurt. He simply prays a Christian prayer and provides Christian leadership to the senators who serve our nation. thought it might be good for us this morning if we could hear one of his prayers. We're about to leave the Capitol when our eyes are captured by the door of a small room just off the rotunda. It's the Congressional Prayer Room. And if you slip through that door, you'll discover that the focal point of that chapel is a stained glass window. It depicts George Washington kneeling. And around him are the words of Psalm 16:1: Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. We leave the Capitol this morning with a deep realization that if America is to retain its greatness, we must affirm anew our commitment to and our trust in the Lord as the foundation of who we are, individually and as a people. So we leave the Capitol and we make our way down the street. Our next stop is at the Library of Congress. Gathered here are the books and microfilms and digital content that are the accumulated writings of mankind. Here a researcher can find information on virtually any subject you could possibly imagine. Truly the Library of Congress is a storehouse of all the wisdom of men. But it is the building itself that gives witness to God. You see if you look closely you will see that the words engraved upon its wall are not the ones that are found on the shelves, but the ones that contain the greatest wisdom of all. In one place you'll find this, what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with thy God? In another place you find the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. And these are only two of the numerous passages of Scripture that are found on the walls throughout the Library of Congress. The intention of the builders are clear. While the words of men are found in pages that will eventually decay and ideas that will pass away, the words of God are chiseled in stone. They will endure the passing of time. The Library of Congress reminds us that America must put its reliance on the wisdom of God and not upon the opinions of man. Nearby, we find our way into the Supreme Court building. Unlike the ornate buildings that surround it, the Supreme Court building is plain 
strong, almost severe. It is obvious that critical decisions are made in this building. So we enter into the front of the Supreme Court building, make our way along across the long foyer, and we're allowed to peer into the room where the justices meet to interpret the law according to the Constitution. Along the east front of the chamber, you find a large base-relief sculpture group of the great lawmakers of history. Prominent among them, the figure of Moses, the lawgiver. And indeed, when you look above the head of the Chief Justice, you find the Ten Commandments engraved, guarded by an American eagle. The entrance is clear. Man's laws must always be subject to and dependent upon obedience to God's changeless law. We leave the Supreme Court building realizing that the destiny of America is found in her willingness to know and obey God's unchanging principles. Well, the time for our tour is running short, but it's important that we make time to visit some of the monuments that are dedicated to our greatest presidents found there around the National Mall. The Washington Monument, that majestic spire that rises above the National Mall. As you ascend the staircase, you discover that you're walking up 896 steps. And as you make your way up, you continue to find a number of spiritual instructions. At one place, holiness to the Lord. In another place, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not pass from it. And as you circle up the steps, you continue to run into passages of Scripture and spiritual instruction until finally you reach the top. And above your head, you find these words inscribed on the cap of the Washington Monument. Praise be to God. The Washington Monument, like the man himself, reminds us that faith is a journey of commitment and discipline. Then we visit the Lincoln Monument where a grave seated president is surrounded by the text of some of his greatest speeches. From his second inaugural address, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Psalm 19.9. From the Gettysburg Address, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. And that government of the people and by the people and for the people shall not perish from the earth. The Lincoln Monument calls our nation anew to a humble, dependent faith in the God who grants his people liberty and freedom. And finally, we end our journey at the Jefferson Monument. Thomas Jefferson, farmer, inventor, educator, statesman. His tombstone at Monticello identifies what he considers his three greatest accomplishments. It simply says, author of the Declaration of American Independence, of the Statute of Virginia for Religious Freedom, and father of the University of Virginia. Isn't it an interesting thing that he thinks about himself as being the author of the Statute of Liberty for Religious Freedom, Statute of Virginia for Religious Freedom, but he never identifies himself as the president of the United States. That's not as important 
as the other things that he's accomplished. So on Jefferson's monument that we discovered these sobering words. God who gave us life gives us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. With that, we complete our tour. It's been a privilege to remember that these are the spiritual roots of America. That wherever you find yourself in Washington, D.C., both in these buildings and others around them, you find the evidence of God's fingerprints and footprints all over the founding of this nation. We've been blessed with a rich heritage of faith. But what about today and what about tomorrow? How can we recover our spiritual compass? A lot of people have different answers that they want to offer. Some say that the secret to recovering the, the spiritual life of America will be in electing a certain kind of leader. Some say it means passing certain kinds of laws or embracing particular political parties. But this is what I believe. If we're going to recover the spiritual life of America, we don't need a more committed Christian nation. What we need is a nation of more committed Christians. Of God's people who have heard the call of Christ and trusted him as Savior. And now they're living out their faith in a day-to-day -day basis. Not just in the big events of life, but in the small events of life. Not just in the things that will make the headlines in the newspapers. Back in the days when we had newspapers. But those people who live out their faith and lead their families and educate their children and guide their nation as citizens who trust and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout history, spiritual revival has never come from the top down. It has always begun with grassroots individuals with families and churches that turn everything over to the Lord and choose to live for him. And we need believers today who are willing to stand up and be open about who we serve and what we stand for. These days, it's a little more difficult to be bold about your Christian faith. These days you recognize people are going to criticize you. People are going to find fault with you. You may find yourself exposed on social media for being a believer in Jesus Christ. When we look at the monuments that we have explored today, we recognize those inscriptions were placed there because those words are what people are remembered for. That's what these statesmen believed. Those scriptures were engraved in stone because Christian believers wanted people to know this is the foundation of our land. And we need to be just as faithful, just as bold in making our own faith plain to be seen. Most of all, we must place our faith in an incredible God. To recognize it's not that we stand for him. It's that he stands for us. And places his Holy Spirit within us.
and provides guidance to us as a people and gives direction when we seek it and we recognize God is for us. Long ago, David wrote these timeless words. Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. And that's where we need to find ourselves on this 4th of July. Under the shadow of his wings. As we celebrate our nation's independence to again remember our true freedom is found in Christ. To remember and take seriously the challenge of Galatians 5.1. Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Different kind of sermon. Here's the message in the end. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Our freedom is not given to us by leaders. Our freedom is not given to us by laws. Our freedom comes from the liberty that is ours through the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And on this 4th of July Sunday, we recognize we are free indeed because Christ has made us free. This morning's not really been an evangelistic message, but there's never a time we meet when we don't want to say to someone, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, we want you to know him before you leave. And in just a moment as we sing our invitation hymn, I'll be here at the front, Dr. Hutchins will be here at the front. If you'll just come to us and say, today's the day I want to trust Christ, we will lead you to know him as your Savior. He can make you free. Or maybe you need to become a part of this fellowship. Or maybe there's another decision you need to make. As we stand and sing, as God speaks to your heart, you come. Let's stand together. Let's sing. Revel in their newfound passion, worship. 
worshiping and thankfulness out of ashes into freedom out of dying into life see the joy that set before us in the blinding cross of Christ it's been a good day in God's house today I hope this tour was a good tour for you to remind us of who we are and whose we are as the people of America hope you have a great fourth look forward to seeing you next Sunday let's pray together and then one final song Father we thank you for the liberty that is ours in Christ Jesus not given to us by legislatures or laws but given to us by the one who loved us and gave himself for us and Father as a nation under God we pray Lord that you help us to be faithful to the call of Jesus Christ and to trust him in every step of the way we pray in Christ's name Amen Happy fourth.